0: time to uh, say good morning to Nadir Token, investment analyst at 27.4 Investment Managers. Hi, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Nadir, let's start by uh, taking a look at what's happening in China. Now, the debt load there uh, reached record highs, and uh, that's posing a risk to the economy, is it? Yeah, you know, Sakina, I mean, we've got to put things into perspective here. So, if we look at other emerging economies or, uh, you know, amongst which South Africa forms a part of, um, you know, on average, other emerging economies have a debt-to-GDP ratio, um, you know, of around about 100% of debt-to-GDP. If we look at China, that ratio is closer to 250% of uh, GDP, but it's not only the absolute level of debt that's concerning, Sakina, it's the rate at which they've accumulated it. So, if we look... look... uh, Look at the rate at which China has accumulated uh, debt uh, sort of since the end of the global financial crisis. The the Chinese debt market is now worth about $25 trillion, you know, and that was well under a trillion dollars just before the global financial crisis. Um, So, you know, it's a phenomenal rate at which they've been accumulating debt, and at the same time, the economic growth has been slowing, Sakina. So, to have this sort of scenario where the government has been racking up all this debt, um, and the productive avenues to which they can deploy this uh, debt that they're racking up to seek uh, returns in order to repay this debt is dwindling, given that the economy is slowing. So, you know, um, we, we have the situation where we could reach a financial crisis, where banks could uh, be severely distressed, um, you know, as a result of not being able to repay the debt because the cash flows from projects uh, generated from ca- uh, from the projects where this debt was deployed um, is not as profitable as what it once was. So, you know, and, and, and if we look at who's been borrowing money, you know, uh, households and corporates still make up a very very small portion of the total debt in China. It's mostly the government sector, which has been doing it. And, you know, that pretty much makes sense because economic growth has been slowing in China. The government has been borrowing more and more money in order to sustain economic growth. And on the back of that, um, you know, we, we've seen this injurious nature of, 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 of the, debt, uh, the, the debt market in China. So definitely something to watch out for. You know, there's a lot of commentary about the, the hard landing of the, the, the Chinese economy. And if the consumer doesn't come to the party very soon, Sakina, we could see an event where we could see a credit crunch in China, very similar to what we saw um, in the U.S. In the, during the global financial crisis, and that will obviously have massive repercussions for the global economy and we're already seeing famous hedge fund managers like George Soros weighing on the debate and saying that uh, you know, the Chinese debt situation is as bad as what the subprime mortgage crisis was in the U.S. in 2008 and 2009. So definitely something to watch mm. out for, particularly if the Chinese economy is in for a hard landing. Absolutely. Sounds scary there, Nadir. And then um, let's just recap on South Africa's inflation numbers that came out last week. Um, our inflation slowed for the first time in seven months in March. Yeah, you know, Sakina, I mean, uh, things were were, were pretty, uh, you know, they, they, they were pretty pessimistic and overdone at 7% annual inflation. You know, I mean, that was obviously pricing in a very, very weak RAND, a recovery in the oil price, and things seemed pretty dire, you know, and that's why we continue to see counter-cyclical interest rate increases from the South African Reserve Bank with Lisechek and Yahoo um, not only worried about inflation peaking outside the band, but also the sustained period for which it will remain outside the band, you know, in, in their initial estimates when they began hiking interest rates, you know, they thought that it would stay outside the band until the first quarter of 2017. They've now, re- uh, they've now revised that to the third quarter of 2017. But, uh, you know, we are seen some reprieve. We have seen a very strong RAND um, in the last couple of weeks. You know, in fact, uh, we've seen the RAND sell off a bit off its highs of around 14, rand 15 to the dollar. Um, we saw the oil price pulling back a little bit, uh, you know, after no uh, output freeze deal was reached in Doha last week week, Um, you know, so the picture is looking a little bit brighter than what it was a couple of weeks ago, Sakina, when inflation came out at 7%, um, you know, although it's moderated slightly to around 6.28% or just under 6.3% on an annual basis uh, in the month of March. So, you know, the picture is looking a little bit brighter. We're seeing producer price inflation coming out later today. That's basically uh, the rate at which costs are increasing at the factory gates and, uh, you know, that's expected to come in. Slightly higher than the CPI number that came out last week, um, you know. But yeah, the picture looking slightly brighter, and I think uh, that maybe that may be cause for uh, you know the, the the monetary policy committee to keep rates on hold at the next uh, monetary policy committee meeting, and perhaps only a hike at the following meeting, given the, the the very very subdued state of economic growth in South Africa. But uh, you know, having said that, the monetary policy committee have displayed um, you know their the, the determination. On the inflation targeting mandates, uh, you know, they've got a number of preemptive interest rate hikes out of the way. We've seen 75 basis points already this year, despite, uh, you know, the IMF and a number of rating agencies, and in fact, uh, the South African Reserve Bank themselves lowering the, eco- the economic growth outlook to just a, uh, above half a percent for the South African economy for 2016. So, better news for the consumer that we got last week, uh, you know, a potential uh, uh, inter- uh, petrol price drop. On the cards, um, if the RAND continues to remain strong, although we're still seeing uh, uh, oil price above $40 a barrel. So that may be ruled out for next month. But, uh, you know, all in all, slightly better picture painted for the, uh, with the inflation numbers that came out uh, in the middle of last week. Mm. And all the same, keeping an eye on what's happening in the United States, uh, can you just give us a brief summary of U.S. earnings season thus far? Yeah, you know, Sakina, I mean, this has been a key metric that markets have been looking towards for two reasons. Number one, the U.S. equity market has had a very strong run uh, ever since the global financial crisis. And it's, uh, you know, even though returns have subdued more recently, I mean, if we look at the last one year, the S&P 500 is barely over water with the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Index and the NASDAQ faring in very, very similar territory. And the issue here is that, uh you know, we've seen aggressive multiple expansion from a number of these companies. Um, you know, obviously the interest rate environment has been very, very subdued, and this has been very supportive for equities. But the issue now is that returns have been very multiple expansion-driven, meaning that equities have become more expensive rather than earnings-driven. So, you know, we haven't seen much earnings growth, and as a result of that, we've seen equities display a very large uh, volatility. Uh, you know, over the last eight months or so, and that's really what's been hampering the one-year returns or the shorter dated returns. Now... You know, in order for sentiment towards these stocks to change, um, you know, we have to see earnings growth coming through. And unfortunately, what we've seen so far for the first quarter numbers hasn't been great. You know, we've seen a number of the U.S. banks reporting, um, and it's been a very, very dire situation. In some cases, we've seen up to 50% decline in earnings year-on-year from from one year ago. Obviously, one year ago, a number of these banks had special items like tax relief, um, you know, in in the earnings numbers. So if you exclude that, you're talking about... Somewhere in the region of a 20 to 25% earnings decline uh, for the number of, for a number of banks which have reported so far. and This is really on the back of uh, trading activity, both in fixed income and equities. Uh, you know, sort of taking a massive knock as volatility has spiked in global markets. Now, um, you know, we've obviously know that the dollar has been very rampant. This has impacted a number of corporate earnings. You know, we saw that happening with Microsoft, uh, as you mentioned earlier. So, you know, and we continue to see a number of big uh, heavyweights come out this week we're talking about uh, Exxon Mobil we know they've been very badly impacted by the lower oil price environment although it will be interesting to see uh, you know the tone and sentiment of the earnings announcement given that oil prices have rallied about 50% since January this year Um, and it's interesting to see what their cash conservation and spending plans will be and we obviously see Apple coming out also later this week the world's largest company reporting so that will will have a big impact on market sentiment but all in all We're looking for strong earnings growth from the U.S. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the banks and a number of the tech companies which have reported so far have failed to deliver on that. And, you know, that's not good news for market volatility in the U.S. in particular moving forward. Um, So we're going to have to wait and see what comes out from the the companies reporting next. But we need to see uh, earnings-driven returns, Sakina, rather than multiple expansion-driven returns. Thank you so much. Uh, Nadir Token, analyst at 274 Investment Managers. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM.